Welcome to the Odda Magazine podcast. We at Odda desire a deeper insight into the people we spend time with through a podcast featuring creatives and entrepreneurs across art, fashion, film, and other creative disciplines. Each episode highlights the work of individuals who participate in Norish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one that's filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. Odda is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. Let's jump into it. First of all, uh, welcome to Odda Podcast. Um, I first of all would like to introduce Max Svav, the creative director, and Alvin Johansson, the CEO of Axel Arigato. Where are you guys based at the moment? Where, where are you? We're in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden now. Been uh, locked here since the pandemic hit us pretty much. Before we... We've been obviously a lot of, or spending a lot of our time in London where we have an office, but, uh, and traveled across the world. But um, ever since COVID came there in Europe, March 2020, we have spent most of our time here in Sweden. So let's talk about the pandemic a tiny bit. How has the last year been for you, both personally and professionally? Uh, personally, a disaster. Uh, since I like music uh, and uh, business-wise, I think it's been interesting and challenging. And I think, you know, we are born as a digital brand. We have sort of been ready for a shift to digital only. So we sort of moved all the events and everything we did physically, we, we moved uh, online to either stories or TikTok or um other channels online to sort of being able to actually still do those things we normally did but in a new different way and have in mind we've built a whole organization to be a digital first brand which means we already have all functions in-house of actually being able to do all of these things so so yeah i i think both good and bad well you are yeah, no, I agree with Max. It's been quite of a boring time, to be honest. But in a in a way, we shouldn't complain. Uh, have been living in Sweden, which I believe has been one of the best places to live in, since it hasn't been these hard lockdowns. We've actually been able to live sort of normal lives without experiences, uh, nightclubs, uh, music events, concerts, festivals, live sports, things like that hasn't been uh, been running. So, of course, you know, everyone needs some um, to spend some time outside of work, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and get in inspiration in different kinds of means. And that has been tough, I think, for, for both of us, but also people within the organization. You know, in absence of all the events, music, sports, um, even sports events, what have you been listening to or connecting to right now? What has helped you to sort of keep your creativity going? Uh, the good thing here is that uh, 
before the pandemic, we built a nightclub here down in the kitchen in the office. Uh, so we have been entertaining ourselves uh, the past years, past year, uh, with the same attendees every weekend, uh, with music, with lasers, with smoke, all of the things we love. Um, so it hasn't been too bad uh, in that sense. Uh, but I mean, obviously, you can't uh, compare going to, you know, down one floor to our own nightclub versus going out as I've been said, a festival and experiencing live music that I love. And also it's quite hard to find new emerging artists um, just digitally, because that is something you always sort of find when you go to a festival or you go to an event and finding these uh, new artists that do it in a different way. That has really been challenging, I think. I never felt so unupdated within music ever before. It's it's quite interesting because it's I've seen this happen in London as well, where the I live in East London, where the music scene is incredibly vibrant. So you constantly discover new art, artists, either by accident or through friends and by having not having that element around. It's been really difficult to navigate what you like and what you don't like. And, you know, you've mentioned something that you've had these constant parties going on and obviously something that's something that has always been at the heart of Axel Arigato. So how important is it for you to have this community feel and aspect to the brand and to you personally? For us personally, we want to go to parties. So the whole idea is to create parties that we can go to ourselves. I think that has been the concept from the beginning. Uh, we want to recreate the parties that we always wanted to go to. Uh, and now we can curate that, no matter if it's working with a certain DJ, artist, or pure visually, we can, you know, we work with a lot of different, like, laser artists and a lot of different artists that has been sort of being able to put their touch on our events, which has been amazing. Uh, I love that whole part of the business because we want to be so much more than just a store we want to be so much more than just a transaction and then being able to utilize uh, our spaces in a completely different way is is really a win-win i think for the local community but also for us as a brand because we have fun and we're able to curate these experiences listening to you talk about axel arigato and the fact that there are so many elements to it um what would you say is Axel Arigato. What is your origin story and how did you create Axel Arigato? What sort of necessitated Axel Arigato's existence? Well, it's a tough question there. Uh, I think based on Max and myself, we, uh, we are two different personalities with different qualifications, but nevertheless, we have a mutual vision and ground of uh, what we want, what we want to experience and how we want to, uh, how we want to create the brand and what based on what values um, uh, it, it should sort of stand on. Um, and when we started the brand or rather start to, started thinking about the brand back in 2013, the main reason was that we couldn't find a brand out there that we could truly identify ourselves with. And, and why was not only because of one parameter, it was several different reasons. And, but 
I guess the the sort of essential of what we did was that we wanted to make a brand for our generation, so to say, and that was not only relevant back then at launch in 2014, but that was also able to reflect the, the community or the reality out there to stay relevant. And we started with sneakers and we're still mainly focused with sneakers, uh, but that doesn't mean that we will always sell sneakers. You, like, we have to prepare the brand and the organization for a day when people might not even use shoes because we still want the brand to live out there and therefore the brand needs to stand on certain values. Then whether that is inclusivity or diversity or sustainability uh, as some things or also just this just you know experience driven what Max talked about before or event driven, quality driven, like good products for the for the price that your your a customer is paying it's it, it's so much in this brand that we can't really talk about it all the time to be honest then uh, this podcast would have to be 24 hours at least but to summarize what what Adam said uh, we don't want to sell a product we want to sell a brand I think that's really sort of our aim uh, with everything we do. It's interesting, you know, what I'm hearing from you about Axel Arigato uh, is it's almost larger than its whole in a way. And I think it's something also I want to touch about with you, you know, when you look at the name Axel Arigato. Axel is a very typical Nordic Scandi name, whereas Arigato in Japanese means thank you, um, among many other things. What allowed you or what made you choose these particular words to embody the brand? So we started the brand in the era when uh, other brands were mentioning their own names one time, two times, or even three times in, in some cases. So with Axel, we want to create this sort of persona that didn't exist. Uh, and do sort of the opposite of what everybody else was doing at, at that time. Then uh, being born and raised here in Sweden, in Scandinavia, minimalism it's, is a huge part of our daily lives. Um, and it's, to be honest, deeply rooted in the majority of the people living here. And you see it in every apartment, you see it in furniture, you see it in aesthetics in general. And we rather remove stuff than, uh, than add-on stuff. Uh, so it comes down to minimalism and um, that's very connected with Japan as well, which is a country we, we both love. And the, the wording arigato actually means difficult to exist, uh, which we can relate to quite a lot starting this brand from Gothenburg, a small city in the middle of nowhere, to be honest. So, so for us, it's it's the similarities. It's the similarities within aesthetics that really built this brand. And Axel Arigato is, is really um, something that, uh, you know, when it comes to Axel, it's, it's a persona that doesn't exist, that is always a conversation starter. Um, some people hate it, some people love it, but you will talk about it. And also an important element to it is that neither Max or myself we don't have any uh, any personal agendas here on being uh, our own name, so to say. It's always about the brand and lift that in the forefront. 
and uh, whatever people think about us or know about us, it doesn't matter at, uh, at all, as long as there is an, is an afterlife uh, for the brand uh, that is way beyond uh, ourselves. And uh, just to point out like our aesthetics, because I think Tom's profile picture, now the listener can't see that, but it's a picture of our space in, in Denmark. I think that symbolizes our aesthetics very well. It's super minimalistic in every sense, both in terms of colorings, in terms of materials, but the general aesthetics is, it's very downscaled and impactful. Would you say that there's a certain parallel between Japanese minimalism and the Nordic flair? Very much so, to be honest, very much so. In, in terms of, you know, all the things that we love in life, you know, furniture, aesthetics, architecture, there, there are tons of similarities. And I mean, we as a brand always comes back to minimalism, uh, no matter if it's our packaging, our website, our stores, I think is one of the best examples. Uh, of experiencing that uh, but it's a certain ease and uh, we like when it's a bit muted but still have that luxe feeling talking about the shops and the environment that there's the top they look like galleries in a way they're very open you have open space um, it creates a feeling of being welcome whilst also having this tremendous amount of space to explore um, what is the idea behind the store design for you? So when we started, or sorry, opened the first store in London, uh, we wanted to do something different. For me, space is luxury. All other brands usually, you know, measure, okay, how many pieces can we fit in this space to be profitable? I obviously, if I could choose 100%, I wouldn't want any products at all in the space because then it would look really fucking good. But then obviously it needs to have something in it that people can buy. Uh, but that is really the sort of mindset we have with our spaces. We want to limit the amount of products so the store can breathe uh, in a different way versus going into a space uh, on Oxford Street where you have rails after rails. Also, you mentioned it looks like a gallery and that was really one of the first sort of elements that we were still working with. And you find that sort of feeling in every space. It's the gallery feeling. And uh, I think one of the reasons why we sort of portray that feeling is obviously the space thing and that it's not cluttered, but it's really how we present the products. Uh, usually the products in a store is centered around the walls we did the opposite and we're working with podiums in different shapes and materials for every space we do. And they are in the middle of the space. So we rather work with the middle, middle grounds of the space versus the walls to sort of create and enhance the feeling of, you know, something different and a piece of artwork versus a product that you're selling. Uh, so, so, and also we're not the McDonald's concept, all of our stores, uh, look different, but all of our stores have that element in different shape forms. Would you say that there's also an element of democratizing art for you and making it accessible? You know, your stores, going back to the whole idea of gallery and you mentioned art, how important is it to democratize the space for you and to make it accessible for all? 
I think that goes on not, not only for art, but in anything that we do. Uh, that was one of the elements why we did put the price that we did on our products, that we, uh, we wanted to challenge the luxury industry and the whole price point. Did a product with that kind of quality, that kind of materials have to have a certain price or can it uh, be at a different price? price point to allow people to maybe do something else with their money coming back to experiences it also come back to the experiences that we create our sort of events and mainly parties where we have either in our stores or off-site locations they are not for a certain click in a city or uh, which you usually tend to see at at different fashion shows or uh, or fashion events we want to be inclusive and have different kinds of people that don't tend to attend these kind of events. So that's something that we work on whatever we do uh, around the brand. Let's talk about inclusivity because you just mentioned it. You did recently a quite brilliant Keith Haring collaboration and partnered up with Albert Kennedy Trust. How important was it to partner up with a charity like AKT for you and to create even a further narrative about inclusivity? I think we've done it in several different ways uh, during the past years. Uh, but previously we worked with uh, Albert Kennedy Trust in, in other projects. And because of Keith Haring, since he was a LGBTQ activist and used his platform as an artist, we thought that this was really uh, a partnership that was strong and authentic. So, so that was really the reason why we partnered up with, with them in this particular project. And how do you see, you know, when we talk about LGBTQIA plus uh, spaces, do you feel that it's an important aspect as well for you? Uh, you can... Yeah, of course. We... Uh... I think that as a, as a human being today, you need to be, uh, you need to look at, uh, how do you say, the human rights in a way, and people should be able to express who they are, uh, feel that they have, uh, that they are safe out in the society, and uh, maybe it didn't used to be like that, but today at Brand, we have, uh, we have a responsibility to, uh, to stand up for our customers, and we have customers from all over, uh, all over the world uh, with different kinds of sort of views on things. Uh, but in a modern world, we really believe in, in freedom, in transparency and, uh, and being able to, to showcase who you are and what you stand for. And that's obviously, this is a, a big topic. If we would be able, we would uh, put our word out in in a lot of different discussions and so on, unfortunately, due to resources, due to time, uh, and maybe due to, to money in some cases, we're not able to, uh, to have a standpoint in everything that it happens. That doesn't mean that uh, we are not behind certain movements, but uh, that's the good thing with uh, accelerating as a brand. It gives us the opportunity to, to be involved in different kinds of discussions more and more. And that's definitely a, a goal and uh, included in our vision here. In terms of acceleration, you've actually managed to do something very unique over the past one year and a half or so, where when COVID occurred, 
a lot of stores, a lot of brands started going under. But in your case, you've actually expanded and not only grow, but you had retail expansion during COVID. How did it come about? We felt that we had a momentum. Um, we actually had a momentum before the pandemic. Then when it came, we sort of questioned ourselves, what's going to happen now? We did put a lot of projects that we had on hold, but then after approximately three years, we, uh, we started to realize that our momentum didn't stop. It, uh, it kept on going. It just had it moved from physical to digital. But luckily, as Max mentioned before, we were prepared for that move. But then also what happened in uh, late spring 2020 was that a lot of opportunities arise, uh, especially when it came to digital, because a lot of the big brands, they didn't know what to do. And they were much, most, uh, much more exposed to physical retail, which obviously was a lot of costly. So therefore, they had to look over their whole sort of uh, cost base, whereas us, uh, we didn't have to do that. Instead, we could uh, increase our uh, investments into the product, into content, into branding, and then uh, all of that summarized into marketing. So we were able to reach uh, a higher consumer base and, uh, and initiate a, a discussion with more people across the world. And then once we did that, we got more confident that, oh, our brand is, is just getting more and more relevant. And at different parts of where we had our stores, Sweden, they were never closed, but obviously they were affected. Then we opened up uh, in Soho, for instance, the UK last summer, and sales were just great. And then Copenhagen opened as well, and we had a record. So last summer, every store pretty much made a record in sales, even though everyone had been talking about the death of retail for I don't know how many years. And then it was in the pandemic. People were like, yeah, it's really, it's really happening right now. But then we saw, no, it's not happening. It's actually the opposite. Or it did happen, but in a good way. And that's when we saw that it, it, it doesn't matter if it's, obviously it matters if it's a pandemic and a, and a lockdown, but if it's a retail that, no, it's not in, in maybe in general, but it all comes down to if you are a brand that is relevant and you make the products to, to the customers that they want to, want to have, you make the content, content that they want to see, you give them the experiences that they want to experience, then the brand will be out there and no matter what channel it is, uh, you're in a good spot. And that's what we felt that we were in. Yeah, so both before the pandemic, during the pandemic and after the pandemic, we're strong believers of retail. We just think that you need to do it in a different way. Either you do a space where you have events or la la la, or you focus on giving people a aesthetic or like a visual experience. I mean, there's not a right and a wrong, but people are obviously searching for something new than just racks with clothing. And it's almost comical when you see these high street brands, they're transforming their spaces to concept stores and they put in a cafe and then it's a concept store. Uh, we don't believe that that's a concept store. It's, you need to do a lot more. Yeah. And it's important that these sort of, uh, now we've been in the pandemic for quite some time, but as a brand, a brand is not created in a day and it's not being uh, shut down or killed in a day either. So you need to have a long-term strategy and that long, you can never deviate from that long-term strategy because of just uh, 
black swans, so to say. And that's what we always believe that what we want to create here with the brand, that's, a, uh, that's just pushing what we have in front of us. And no matter if we, uh, we, a project was not profitable or a certain product category was not a smash hit at the beginning, we kept on going uh, if we think that it's right for the brand. And also the opposite, maybe a product has been doing very well or something else, but it's not right from the brand, for the brand, then we stop with it because long-term that's not sustainable. Would you say you listen to your customers quite a lot? Because I remember reading somewhere that a lot, there's a lot of customer feedback uh, where certain customers were looking at certain, for example, trainers that they really, really adored and you then brought it back. Then how much do you listen to your customer feedback? A lot, uh, definitely. And we want to listen even more. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, we believe that the customers today have more power than ever. If you're smart, you're listening to them. If you're not, you're going your own way. I think there's a balance there. Uh, but, but I think customer feedback in general is, is so important. And also like co-creation, it can be in many different ways, just letting them decide a colorway or a graphics can be anything. But we have a Slack group today with, I think, 30, 30 customers where we once in a while post new things or new, new uppers or colorways or graphics where they can sort of communicate with us directly and tell us what they think, if they hate it, love it, or, yeah. Yeah, and it's also equally very important that the people in our organization that are meeting or uh, talking to our customers on a daily basis in the retail stores or in the customer service department, that they feed back to the organization uh, what's happening, what's good, what's not bad, so that we can be, be fast on reacting. Because in, in, I think that many brands are, are not prioritizing these, uh, these departments uh, enough. They should be the ones that are really much in the center internally, because at the end of the day, they are taking care of uh, what's most important, and that's the customers. Would you say that this allows you to also change very quickly or to implement changes where you, you, you're so close to the customer that you can sort of take a rapid decision and, okay, this is working, this is not working. How do you see it? Yeah, I think that is sort of on the basis uh, how we started the company, sort of being agile and uh, being able to change fast, being able to not overthink things, but rather change things. And that's definitely a mindset I think the whole organization has. And that's also why I think last year was our best year ever, because that mindset is throughout the whole building and everybody's willing and have that mindset to change instantly when hurdles arises, no matter if it's a pandemic or anything else. And especially the two of us, we can change something in five seconds. We don't need to think or discuss anything. We just take uh, action immediately. Let's talk about you two. How do you delineate your roles at Axel Arigato? What's Max's design process like and what catches your eyes normally when it comes to inspirations? And when, how do you then, Alvin, slide into that? You want to yeah, I can start and, and you finish. No, but as uh, Alvin touched upon earlier, um, I mean, what has been important since day one is to start or, or have a brand for, for the next generation. So we look a lot at 
you know, how does that generation communicate? What, what apps are they on? Um, what are they doing to what music, what artists uh, uh, are they listening to? Uh, just to get an understanding who they are, what are they doing? But then obviously in terms of aesthetics, we are very inspired by music, obviously, by art. And we sort of merge all of those key elements that we look at into one cohesive vision. But, but I think the brand and the products are really a reflection of the next generation. Uh, and that is what we're always aiming to do. And I mean, the design process itself always starts with who is the customer for this product and uh, also the purpose of the product. I think that is key before you start the design process. If you don't have a clear vision who you are creating this product for, or if it's supposed to sell, because the purpose can actually be, we don't care at all if this shit is selling or not, it's supposed to build the brand then obviously that it needs to be reflected in the product. We need to do weird shit. Or if this product is supposed to bring in the dollars to the brand, then we need to do a much more commercial soul and a material mix that can appeal to the masses. So for us, it, it all starts with, with who the customer is. And I think what we have done well here is that we always work with, with that profiling in, in our early stage. And that's why we have a quite of a good balance and can sell a shoe to somebody that works uh, within a bank, but also somebody that wants to go on a rave and that is 18. And th that is exactly what we're trying to do with the products here. We want to have something for everybody and for different occasions. And therefore we focus a lot on the purpose. Should I take this on? I think, um, I don't know if Max remembers this actually, but in the very, very beginning before we launched, I said, do what you think is fun and then I take care of the rest. But I still have failed with that one because he still has to do things that he doesn't think is funny. Yes. Uh, so, so that's my sort of true vision with, uh, with being a part of this, uh, this journey. You know, Max is, we're a brand at the end of the day. And uh, obviously, you cannot just be a brand. There must be a company to support the brand. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to, to focus on uh, in different kinds of, uh, of ways. Uh, obviously, it, both our roles have changed, but maybe in a way more mine that, than, than Max, uh, given that we were, it was only the two of us. And now we are, actually, no one knows how many we are. Uh, but everyone gets paid each month. Uh, I think we're around 115, 120 people right now. And it's just, I, it's, it's new people starting every week right now. Uh, so we're, we're, we're going from being this small startup to, we still want to be small, have a small mindset in a way, because that's how we can stay being agile and, and fast. But nevertheless, we need to be more professional because uh, we have different kind of talent joining us that are uh, used to, doesn't matter if it's LVMH carrying or other uh, luxury groups around the world or brands or, or other companies from different industries. We need to give them a good and safe environment and uh, inspirational and obviously all different kinds of things that comes with um, having a global brand and company. And my true goal here is that we don't become the IRS 
the vibe here is very important and that we need to maintain. Otherwise, creative people will fly out of the window, including myself. Hence the sort of nightclub in the, uh, in the office here in Sweden. Let's actually talk about something which I don't think we have raised yet is your drop model. What made you decide to drop things weekly rather than have a fixed schedule like many of the brands currently do? And also cascading of that, um, let's talk also briefly about your spring summer 22 collection. How is it going to be dropped? Is it going to be dropped the same way? Uh, should I start or do you want to? Uh, you can start. <laughs> I, when you say many brands out there, it's the old brands that are working like that. That's at least what we believe in. It's not the relevant model anymore. And imagine if a 15-year-old uh, person would get uh, a TikTok video every third month or a post on Instagram for something. That's not how they consume different things. That's not how they want to experience things through the phone nor in real life. And that's why what we did with the brand to always stay relevant, to always be top of mind, but also to give out products that are in the right time, so to say, and not several months in advance. Then the flip side of it, or another good side, maybe I should say, is that it, it, it gives us the opportunity to be lean. We can work with small quantities. We can test out the market. And if needed, we, uh, we work very fast with our production and supply chain so that we, at the end of a season or at the end of a period, don't stand there with the Uber stock. And then we have to put a lot of products on sale or in outlets. We still don't have a site, uh, an outlet, which is quite uh, rare for being the size of where we are today. And we're not dependent on our sale periods either. So it's been a very successful concept for us. Yeah, and a lot of the concepts we have here, no matter if it's the drop of the week or others, uh, all of them are created on, uh, based on you know, how we consume fashion. And particularly in terms of drop of the week, we didn't buy, you know, went in every third month and looked at, oh, what is this brand dropping this season? We wanted to consume on a weekly basis if we like the brand. So I think a lot of the things we're doing are just based on what we thought made sense and how we wanted to shop back in the days. So the question is, with the Spring Summer 22 collection currently in mind, what's next for you two? Uh, well, the Autumn Winter 22 collection, uh, because the Spring Summer 22 collection, I don't barely remember. Now we're in the midst of... Uh, um, of the next season, which is uh, super exciting. Uh, we have a lot of new souls that we're doing, uh, a lot of new uppers, a good variety. Uh, we're focusing a lot on rubber projects now, uh, where the whole shoe is made out of rubber or recycled rubber, uh, which is a new thing for us. So we're actually working with um, a UK-based artist that is specialized in 3D. Uh, so we're collaborating with him on all of our uh, rubber projects because he's a lot better than we are, to be honest. Uh, but it's very interesting. Now we're sort of dipping our toes into uh, collaborating with, with uh, young new talents in terms of design. 
And that's sort of a new route for us. So we're working with this UK-based artist and then uh, three artists in, in Italy as well. Uh, and that's a quite interesting working environment because then we create some stuff in-house here. And then we have these collaborating um, uh, projects as well with them. Um, and then all, obviously we, we have some collabs as well in the pipeline that we're working on uh, also. Uh, but yeah, it's quite spread and... Uh, and the ready to work collection. Yeah, that's uh, worth mentioning. We've invested quite a lot in, in new people and sort of uh, staffing up in, in terms of getting the right experience. So that has been completely transformed. And actually, yes, the SS22 collection, uh, it's the first collection where we actually are having a collection. And what I mean with a collection, I mean, we have a width, we have knit, we have jackets. Before it's been like puffers and jersey, which is not really a full collection. Uh, and even though I'm saying a collection, yes, we are still uh, releasing the products in drops. Boys, thank you so, so much for your time and effort today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Audio listeners, this is Max Vad, Alvin Johansson from Axel Arigato. Thank you so much. If you don't want to miss an episode of Other Podcast, all you have to do is download the app in the Apple Store or visit Other Spotify account. That way, every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. Don't forget to leave a review tell your friends about the other podcast.